Hello, and welcome back to the best of Jeff and Stuff. I know your time is valuable, so let's just get started. Today's episode is Confessions I Never Told a Priest, or more specifically, my St. Martha Grade School Confessions. I was an Air Force brat, born in Las Vegas in 1950, and Mom and I followed dear old Dad to England, where we lived just outside of London from 1952 to 1955. We traveled over and back to the States on the USS General William O. Darby, which was a troop transport ship. When we got back to New York, we stayed at the Henry Hudson Hotel for a month while Dad was awaiting his orders. When they finally came, it said we were moving to Savannah. My dad was stationed at Hunter Air Base. My illustrious career at St. Martha's School started in September of 1957, after we had moved up from Georgia back to Mom's family home in Akron on Howard Street on North Hill. Growing up in my grandparents' home with Mom's three brothers meant I had plenty of role models. Jerry, a college freshman, Richard, a basketball star from John Carroll, and Ed, an actual rocket scientist. So what happened to me, you ask? Well, with all that influence surrounding me, I was still just a kid, awkward, eager to explore the nearby woods, and waiting nervously for school to start, and I'd be the new kid on the block. That summer I had gotten my best bike ever, a shiny Chrome Schwinn Jaguar Mark IV, and that was quite an upgrade from the hand-me-down Schwinn my Uncle Jerry gave me. I never did get to ride it to school for a couple of years, but that finally started one year when I started summer school. But that's another story. Labor Day meant school was here, so I joined my new third grade classmates and got to explore the many wonders of this big old building. It was attached to the church and had various levels of classrooms, and my third grade class was on the lower east side. I think we also housed the mimeograph machine for all the teachers to use. If I remember correctly, it was also called the ditto machine. That amazing smell of freshly printed blue ink quiz sheets or the daily lesson or even the lined writing paper to correctly learn upper and lowercase cursive, not to mention block printing. I remember helping the teacher run many hundreds of copies and I'd always take that smell home with me on those days. We also had an annex for 5th and 6th grade classes, and it was in the far corner of the playground. And I got to enjoy Mr. Nash for the 5th grade, and then next year, his mom, who taught 6th grade. I hope I got those years right. I do remember Mr. Nash had a perforated wood paddle to keep us in line. But what I can't picture was the coat room. Or was it just hooks on the back wall? And more importantly, the restroom. Did we have to wait and use the one in the main building? Surely we must have had our own. I just can't remember. Please mention in the comments if your memory is better than mine. We also had a fabulous multifunction room that was the lunchroom. This was the home of the Best Lunch Ever blog that I wrote about earlier. And it was also the auditorium with a stage, a band practice room, and critically, the dodgeball and basketball court. I vividly remember having to take down the many folding tables and chairs in preparation 
for basketball practice or gym class for dodgeball. This reminds me of a time we were waiting for the gym teacher to show up to unlock the trunk, had all the balls and equipment locked up. Naturally, being kids, patience was not in our arsenal. So we fiddled with the padlock. Was it actually locked? We wiggled, we jiggled, we tugged. Gee, I wonder how we could get this open. As fate would have it, the gods of impatient kids smiled down on us and prompted me to poke my house key into that very lock. Holy crap, it actually opened. So I was the hero, and we all grabbed some balls and really started rebel-rousing to our new fortune. All was fine for about ten minutes until Coach showed up, fuming mad that we were playing unsupervised, looking around to figure out how this was possible. Meanwhile, I was standing off to the side while 15 of my fellow classmates all unanimously turned and pointed to me as the culprit. Now here's where it gets interesting. While we were being herded back to order by the coach, somehow, most mysteriously, Sister Mary Kenneth showed up and a silence fell over the whole room. Now we were busted. And by we, I actually mean me. It started out with, how did I break into the trunk? Whatever possessed me to do such a thing? When did I steal the key? Do you understand just how much trouble you're in? I kept saying, I didn't steal anything. I just tried my own key. Unfortunately, someone checked, and the real key was right where it was supposed to be. But then I had to recreate the crime, producing my house key, which, this was for a door lock, not a padlock, and yet it worked slick as a whistle. Well, nobody said sorry for the mistake, or sorry for scaring the bejesus out of me. They only said, I hope you learned your lesson, young man, followed with, don't even think of trying that again. And finally, your mother is going to hear about this. When I finally got home later and told my mom and uncles about my sins, much to my great relief, they all laughed. They thought it was total overkill, and I think we had pizza from Laconi's to celebrate my brush with the Catholic police. Lesson learned. No picking locks. But what about trying to scare everybody returning to the classroom from lunch on a rainy day? Now let me tell you. Here is what I thought would be hilarious, but would actually be a felony today. I had visited my cousins over the weekend, and we played some goofy kids' games with cap guns. And the one I had used was still in my coat pocket, so, naturally, it went to school with me that fateful day. On rainy days, we would eat in the cafeteria, and then return to our classroom to finish out the period safe and dry. Dry, maybe, but safe, not so much. My plan was to hide in the cloakroom and ambush the first kids returning. Brilliant, right? Hilarious, of course. Frightfully stupid, most definitely. Again, Sister Mary Kenneth appeared out of nowhere, and I swear she must have bad behavior radar built into her nun's headdress. I had to double check on this, and here's what I learned. What is a nun's headdress called? A nun's headdress is called a veil, though several items make up the headdress. The coif is the close-fitting white cap that holds the headdress in place. The wimple is the traditional white piece 
that covers the neck and cheeks, and the veil is the outer fabric covering. So I guess the radar is built into the wimple. Gee, I really enjoy saying that new word I just learned. Now, back to the saga. So there I am, doing my best bandito impression, scaring all the pretty girls, and you know I mean each and every one of you. I have turned to my latest victim, when all of a sudden, I see her expression turn from aggravation to sheer panic. I feel the hand of God grab my shoulder and turn around to face my executioner. The punishment was swift and just, cap gun confiscated, a stern talking to administered, but the icing on the cake was, hold out your hands. Yep, the wood ruler to the knuckles. And for the first and last time, I noticed it was a ruler that had that metal strip on the edge. It was necessary for getting crisp lines on paper or hands as needed. Lesson learned. Don't ever be so dumb as to get caught again, you dummy. Well, just two more stories to round out this confession. Still in the seventh grade, one of my more questionably moral friends scored a couple of Havatampa wood-tipped little cigars and I cradled one of them in my pocket while walking home with my trombone case, planning how I was going to smoke this little gem. But where could I do this? The weather was howling outside this close to Thanksgiving. I had no matches. They were all at the house. In my brilliant flash of stupidity, I planned to smoke it in the upstairs bathroom that had a step-out window. This window would swing wide open to let the smoke escape. So, safely ensconced in my cigar room, as soon as I light up, a big gust of wind comes blowing in. One of the handy step-saving conveniences built into many older homes was a laundry chute. Yes, it would send clothes directly to the basement laundry. Guess what? It also sends cigar smoke directly to that same basement. It also had a door on the first floor to save unnecessary trips with dish towels and cleaning cloths from the kitchen. So Mom is in the kitchen when she smells cigar smoke. She briefly panics, thinking there's a prowler lurking in the basement, and sends an uncle down to investigate. Well, no sooner than I'm getting ready to dispose of the evidence, my mom is knocking on the door, accusing me of smoking. How dare you scare me like that? Well, I'm busted. But I never did give up the friend who supplied the cigar, claiming I found it, and they got into even more trouble for picking up something off the ground that who knows where it has been. But on the bright side, at least it wasn't Sister Kenneth who caught me. The worst part of the punishment was holding back on a gift I didn't even know was coming. It turns out that my mom's boss was a hunter, and he had decided every young man needs a gun. So he bought me one and turned around and sold it to my mom, at a discount, of course. It was, and still is, a Remington Savage 20-gauge single-barrel shotgun that sits by my door to this very day. I was supposed to get it for the Thanksgiving trip to my uncle's cottage up in the Irish Hills of Michigan. We would always take the leftover turkey and all the fixings and drive up early on Friday morning because the Catholic bishop for that diocese gave us a dispensation to eat meat on the Friday after Thanksgiving. Instead, I had to wait until the Christmas trip to get my gift. When I finally did, 
I got to try my luck at popping off paper plates from a tree on the South 40. Evidently, paper plates provide quite a kick because my shoulder was sore for days. And finally, as I complete my story, we must return to the scene of the other, other crime, the basketball court. I was six foot two and the tallest kid in the school. So naturally, I had to play some b-ball. I grew six inches between seventh and eighth grades, and yes, I was great at cleaning blackboards for the teachers, but not so good on clearing the backboards on the court. My uncle, the basketball star, gave me lots of advice, but with no hoop around to practice, it was the equivalent of Bill Murray's advice, be the ball. I joined the team and wore the uniform proudly, never missed a practice, and unfortunately never missed a game. We were 0-10 on the regular season, but because it was youth basketball, everybody made the playoffs. Guess what? We played our first game at the old St. Vincent Basketball Gymnasium, where I ended up going to high school. Boy, did we ever play our hearts out. I actually scored the go-ahead basket with just a few minutes left, and I even got two foul shots. It was amazing hearing the fans cheering me on for the first and last time. I did miss my first try, but I dropped in the second one to the sound of loud cheering. We did go on to win the game, but we promptly lost the second game, which ended my career in uniform. I did try out as a sophomore at St. V, and I actually dunked the ball during practice with our head coach, Mr. Sistone. This was the one and only time in my life because when I landed, I tore my right knee cartilage, ending my career. It's probably a good thing, because LeBron was still looking to follow in my footsteps. So does that mean I paved the way for him? Helped to make him a star? Nah, only in my dreams. Well, that wraps up my story at St. Martha's for now. And I ask if any of you listeners have some memories to contribute, please make a comment especially if you're around for some of these misdeeds. I would love to hear from you, but these podcasts won't listen to themselves. So again, thanks for listening, and please, if you enjoyed these stories, and if they brought a smile to your face, share them with a friend. Just follow the liner notes. Thank you.